This is not just a sermon, neither is it just a teaching. You're about to hear a message from God that will empower and equip you and cause you to excel in life here on earth and in eternity in heaven. Get ready for a transformation by the word of God. Please, we may all be seated in the presence of the Lord. I'd like to thank Pastor Fumi and Pastor Bilano. Thank you for the pastors and ministers for having me around to be a blessing to the saints these past few days. It has been truly awesome. I told them in the staff office I'm not a guest minister, I'm pastor's assistant. Because I think I'm going to sleep on my way back. Exactly, that's the only way to describe it. Exactly. But I'm very thankful to be here. This week has been awesome. I've been praying before I came that God would do miracles in my ministry I've not seen. This weekend proved it. I, I spent the evening on my couch yesterday and I was in awe. I've seen people who could not turn their doorknobs and God healed them after the impartation on, on Thursday and they could turn their doorknobs. They were thinking it was medical and God touched them. I've had somebody who came in doing the prayers who had a cyst, a massive cyst. After the prayers, had a dream that the cyst was being removed. Because when I was praying, she said the cyst, something was moving. That's a wicked animal. A cyst moving in her body. And by the time I laid hands on her, God opened her eyes to see it burst out of her. I saw somebody go to the restroom and things come out of their body that did not make sense. God has done mighty miracles here that even me, you know, God is, uh, I've seen God do things, but now my mind is in awe to God. Let's give thanks to God. Who has shown up? Who has shown us that God is real? The spirit of God is still moving. And so as we are finishing today, I saw a prayer that um, Brother Eze prayed and I'm, I'm piggybacking from him. I like the prayer, so I'm going to add it to my prayers too. You know, by there 117, you should always come to the house of the Lord expectant. He says, the house of Jacob shall be a fire and the house of Joseph a flame. But the house of Esau shall be a stubble. They shall kindle them and devour them. Everybody pray. Say every sickness or disease in your life. Everything that is divine. Say let it become dry stubble. Dry, dry wood. And let the fire of God come from heaven. And consume it. Everybody please pray this prayer. Every sickness, every disease, every skin condition. Everything in your body that is divine medicine. That is making you buy medication. That is making you come and go. Let it become dry, dry wood. And let the fire of God. Oh Lord, let your fire come. And consume everything in us that we have called stubble in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Let's thank God. That's what came to me as it was coming. I think I like that prayer. Because there are times there are things in us that are disturbing us that we think is medical. We have been talking in the next 25 minutes. What came to my mind this morning? Please put it up for me. Ephesians 5.18 Because this weekend is free at last. We are free and we have been set free. But how are we going to keep it? That is it. How are we going to live victorious? That's where we're going to. In Ephesians 5.18, it says, the B part, it says, and do not be drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. It says, let's repeat together, and do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. I'm not sure if any of you have ever seen a drunk person. But when we were in Ife, we, I don't think I ever got drunk, but I had friends. I, I never liked beer or wine. 
That was in my own sin in those days. Thank God for delivering us. Everybody always seems to have a sin of choice. So if you were not drunk, you probably had another one. Thank God that he has delivered us from the bondage of sins of choice. But if you ever see a drunkard, if the drunkard was timid and can't talk, when they are under the influence, they can sway, they can do stupid things. And then, if you are their friend, make sure they don't have your secret. They will spill your secret then. And they won't remember that they have spilled it. But the Bible is telling us something here. Do not be drunk with, but he says be drunk with something else. The Holy Spirit. And so, if me and you are drunk by the Holy Spirit, there are things in our life that will come. How do we necessarily receive things? In Romans 10, I think 17, it says, Then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I think Galatians 3, 2 says, I'll take the positive part of what I wanted to get out of it. It says, did you receive the spirit by the hearing of faith or by the works of law? But really what we are trying to say is the spirit was received by faith. And faith coming by the hearing. So this morning, because Jesus Christ told us, Galatians 3, 2, I think, because Jesus Christ told us, he says, blessed are those who hunger and test after righteousness, for they shall be filled. So my duty this morning by the leading of the spirit of God is to charge us to want to receive what God has for us. If you look at Isaiah 11, 1 to 3, Isaiah 11, 1 to 3, the Bible talks about the sevenfold dimension of the Spirit of God. It says, There shall come forth, let's go to verse 2, please. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, one, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of God. Verse 4, please. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. When the Bible reading was coming, you remember that God gave Solomon a discerning and understanding heart. We'll see where we're going to. Jesus says, I think, is it Hebrews 12? The Bible says, he says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That's where I want to start. He's the author and the finisher. We begin in him as the Alpha. We end in him as the Omega. We can't do better than Jesus. We are disciples. We want to be like him. So let's take Jesus Christ as our case study this morning. Let's see what the Holy Spirit does in his life. And I'll try to show parallels quickly in Stephen and Paul and Peter to show us who or what we should be. What we are leaving on the table. In Luke 4.1 After the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ when the Holy Spirit came up in like a dove. The Bible says that Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit. Returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So point number one. The Bible says I think Romans 8 around 16 or 14. It says as many as are led by the Spirit of God are sons. The word son there in Greek is matured. So one. We cannot be led by the Spirit if we are not full of him. In effect, if we are not drunk in him, that is, we are moving like an aeroplane in the air. We are just, no, when you are gliding, the way an eagle glides, if we are not floating in him, there are things we can't get. So we cannot be led, whether into temptation, like God moved Jesus to be tempted, or out of danger, or into a promised land, without being full of the Holy Spirit, without being led of the Holy Spirit. Verse 2, he says, now, he says, Holy Spirit led Jesus... And then if we, if we move down in the scripture, if we move down, I think, and look for, he tells us as we continue, 
He says, and the devil, the devil who did not leave the Lord Jesus Christ alone has never gone on vacation. And in verse 3, he started with Adam and Eve. The same three temptations that he gave Adam and Eve is the same thing he brought up here. And he says, in verse 3, and the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. But verse 4, he says, but Jesus answered him saying, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from God. That quotation of the Lord Jesus Christ, I think is in Deuteronomy 8. Share this. If you are not led by the spirit of God, you cannot resist temptation with the word. Hear this. The devil can quote scripture. You will see him quoted by the end of this transaction with Jesus. If the word is not empowered by the Holy Spirit, it's a gun shooting blank bullets. Jesus said in John 6.63, he says, it is the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. I cannot, you cannot resist temptation of the devil if you are not full of the Holy Spirit and empowered to use the appropriate word. You don't even know which word. Has it happened to you that times you are praying in the right atmosphere and scripture is coming out of your mouth? That's the Holy Spirit. And so what we are talking about today, like in Acts 4.31, some of us have never been filled of the Holy Spirit. Some of us have been filled and we are depleted. Some of us are filled and we are overflowing. Whichever category you are today, God is going to touch all of us. Then, if you go to Mark 1, 21 to 27, you see a great number of things happening here. To see what happens when we are full of the Holy Spirit. Mark 1, 21. Jesus entered the synagogue in in Mark 1, 21, and he went to teach. Mark 1, 21. And in verse 22, see what happens when anointed teaching comes. And when you are full of the Holy Spirit. And they were astonished at this teaching. For he taught them as one who had authority and not described. That is what happens when you are full of the Holy Spirit. And the anointing of the Holy Spirit is on your word. Carrying the word with power. That is how the word can come like this. And somebody hears it and they get healed. Because it is full of the Spirit. Otherwise, they are blank words. They might as well be Shakespeare speaking. By the time we get to verse 27, it tells us something else. By the time we get to verse 27... He says, what doctrine? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, then they obey him. When one is full of the whole presence of God, if you look at verse 23, now there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out saying, let us alone. What have we got to do with us? The degree of the fullness of God's presence in us determines darkness running from us. So being full of the Holy Spirit is not a suggestion when he says be drunk. Be full of the Holy Spirit. Now, especially we leaders. You know one of the worst things that can happen is a man can look like a man of God or a woman can look like a woman of God. They can look. And you have to make a decision based on whether they are trustworthy. It's one of the most difficult things. Do you know there was a great prophet who failed that exam? God told Samuel, go to the house of Jesse and anoint for me a king. God said, when you get there, I will show you. He got there. He saw a handsome, tall firstborn. He said, you are the one. God said, I rejected him. He did many, 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 many more. He went two. He went three. When he exhausted all the sons and he knew he was a prophet, he now said, you know, he still didn't go back to God. 
He said, do you not have a son? They said, there's one outside. It was when he came in that God said, that's the one. If you read the beginning, God said, I will show you. Even the prophet missed it. He looked outside. Then God said something. Man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. Very serious things. There are many times a man has come. I'm going to point this one. This Look, it looks like good husband material, wife material, and there is a devil in clothing. Let me tell you a solution. God does not want us to be, to be in trouble. If we go to Mark 2, 1 to 12, it was a story here when they broke through the roof and brought a paralytic. The first thing is Jesus saw their faith. You know, faith is a spiritual quantity. The fact that you are speaking doesn't mean you have faith. It's true. Faith is like currency. Some people have faith to raise mountains. Some people have faith for blind. For years, I used once reverend him to our church. And he prayed for somebody I prayed for for like five years who was deaf. And when he left, I, I jumped like a kid. And I really have energy. I jumped like a kid. The camera caught me. This guy can hear. So I started praying. So the next year, somebody who was there came to me. I said, God, I'm going to boast in you. So I did all the deliverance. I said, time has come. I told the lady, God will heal you. My hand on ear. No, I'm serious. This was dubbing. In the name of Jesus, ear be opened. Close the good ear. Walk six feet. Whispered. The only reason I didn't scream was I was pretending to be a pastor. I was so happy. The next thing that happened is when she went to her house. And she had a quarrel with her husband. For four or five years, because she only hears in one ear, he shouts. She got home and the man said, a woman said, you are screaming at me. Me? Scream at you. That was when they realized, I don't need to talk in one angle again. You can hear from both sides. God does miracles. I don't know which miracle you need in healing. As you've received that miracle, receive it in Jesus. That testimony, receive it in Jesus' name. But Jesus saw. So I received faith from God to pray for the deaf to hear. And I thank God for him. And he's doing many other things. I've started praying with people with autism and I'm seeing improvement. Because I've seen quite a bit of it. God has given me a compassion when I see medical issues to go for them. And then he said, son, your sins are forgiven. I think verse 5. Then describes, this is where we are going to. Because we are going to pray with all these things for ourselves. He says in Mark 2, I think verse 5. Please show verse 5 for me. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. And which is a little segue, we are not discussing that today. Many times while we are sick, is because there is a sin. Unconfessed, unrepented, that has not been brought under the blood. That is the reason why the sickness is defined in everybody's prayers. Or why we are sick. And some of the scribes, verse 6, were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemy like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Where were they talking? They didn't open their mouth to. They were thinking here. Just like somebody here might be thinking of the lunch after or what they're going to do and not be here, but they are physically here. But hear this. Jesus now said to them in verse 8, but immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned tossed within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your heart? It's called descending of spirit. By the Holy Spirit, Jesus knew that thought. And he told them their thoughts. That is what, that resolves the issue of being cheated or being defrauded. When people are in your presence, when God gives us by the Holy Spirit what they are thinking, what their thoughts are, what is their motive, we'll know. Jesus worked in that. That is what God wants us to, as we are full of the Holy Spirit. As we continue, 
By the time you get to Mark 3 verse 5, Jesus saw the hardness of their hearts. What about, let's go to Mark 1 verse 40. Mark 1 40. We'll see an attribute of Jesus that drove him to healing all he saw. In Mark 1 40, there was a leper that came to him. And a man knelt with him, worshipping God. He said, if you will, you can make me clean. What did Jesus say to him next? And the verse 41 says, then Jesus moved with compassion. Please understand, keep your hand on it. Another one says pity, compassion. There was a force in him that said, we have to do something about this man's circumstance. Just like the church has been in prayer over a prayer chain, crying for a member of the church saying, God, you have to intercede. It is compassion that makes you lose your sleep. It is compassion that makes you be a faithful member of a prayer chain for somebody, not you. You know the funny thing about life? God is not mocked. He says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Whatsoever you plant, you will harvest. Everybody has a day of prayer. It's not if, it's when. And those who are harvest sowing other people's prayer, the day they need everybody to say, God, help me, people will rise up. Remember when Peter, who did they kill first? James, the church kept quiet. But the Bible says, and the church prayed earnestly for Peter. And God sent an angel. I don't know why they didn't pray for James. That's another, we'll leave that alone. But everybody prayed for Peter. And they didn't make him barbecue. Look at the difference. Many of us are recipients of God's mercy because groups here, ministers, pastors decided to wait intercede for us. We should also reciprocate in that goodness that we have received. He says he was moved with compassion. In Mark 9, Jesus Christ prophesied what was going to happen. He told them, Mark 9, around verse 30 to 32, he told them that he was going to be handed over to the scribes and he was going to be nailed to the cross and he will rise up. We now see godly insight. By the time you get to John 4, 1 to 26, and this is a mighty tool in evangelism. Jesus met the woman at the well and they had a conversation about living water. So he said, okay, go and call your husband. She said, I don't have a husband. Jesus now surprised her. You are right. You don't have a husband. The man you are living with is not yours. You've had five or so and they've died. If you meet somebody at the intersection there and tell them what is going wrong at home and tell them Jesus loves them, I can assure you it is difficult for them not, not to receive Christ. There why it is difficult is we don't have supernatural insight to tell somebody that God is prognosing your business. When you tell somebody that God told me that that boy you are going with, that you went out with yesterday, if you don't stop, you'll die. And she went out and you tell him the guy's name and you don't know. That person will be shake. And so, look at the time. You know many times people set us up. Have you been in a situation where people came to ask you a question and they were just trying to set a trap for you? You didn't know. You know they did it to Jesus all the time. Let's go to John 8. These hypocrites caught a woman in adultery. Explain to me how one person is in adultery. If the woman wasn't married, most likely either she was married or the man she was doing it was married. Because adultery says sexual sin between at least one married person. Where was the man? The scribes and Pharisees were happy to arrest this woman. 
and bring her. And then they were trying to crucify Jesus. They said, Jesus, we caught this woman. Moses' law says it. What, what, what says you? And Jesus took a time writing. And the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of counsel took over. And he said something, no problem. He who has no sin, cast the first stone. Now, people might not understand what that means. The way God sees all the commandments in the Bible is one. That's the problem with righteousness, self-righteousness. If you, that's why I said sin of choice. You know, the people that only steal $10 might think the guy that steals the whole NNPC money is a thief. Now, it's just degree of access that makes a difference. You know, the one that is um, at the corner street who is um, getting $10 for being a prostitute and the girlfriend of the very powerful man that has a house in Dubai, they're all prostitutes. The difference is one goes by first class, one goes on her feet. It's just a difference. It's just, it's just degree of sin. That's all. But you see, they were trying to trap Jesus. And he said in verse 7, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a soul. Telling everybody that the law is one. And all of you are lawbreakers. All of you need God's mercy. All of you are unrighteous. When Jesus explained it, they all ran away. We need it. Because you don't know the day somebody is coming to you as minister and church leader. Make a decision. And that is what Solomon exhibited. When two women were fighting over a baby. And God gave him wisdom for that instance. Cut the baby in two. Knowing fully well that the woman that gave her to the child will have compassion. That was the solution. We need godly wisdom at every time. In John 5, 19 to 20, Jesus made a bold statement which is for us. He said, as I see God do, I do. God speaks to me. You know, in the days you hear the general seer say things like, and God told me, I'm going to Lagos. Turn this way. Or turn this way. And you feel jealous that you has a special relationship. No. He has somehow found out what our rights are and is pressing into it. Because First Thessalonians 5.23, I think, tells us we are spiritual and body. And there is something that makes us uniquely different. That the spiritual part of us should be 24 hours active. So that we are not dealing, behaving like people in the world. Now, finally, as I'm rounding up, Jesus, the Spirit of God filling you gives you boldness. Do you remember how many times I think in Matthew 23, when Jesus would say, woe to you, Pharisees, woe to you, Pharisees. He was talking in those days to people who could put him in jail. Because that was why they wanted to kill him. They were the religious authority that could jail. That's why they put Peter in the jail and the angel released him. He had boldness. Do you recall Peter who denied Jesus three times and cursed himself in denying? When the Holy Spirit descended on him in Acts 2 and he was full of the Holy Spirit, he's the one that told him in Acts 4 or day about. He says, tell me which is good, to obey you or to obey God. At that point in time, the boldness of God has come. The reason many of us are shaking our legs to confess Christ is either we have not been full of the Holy Spirit, our Holy Spirit measure is half cup, we are not overflowing. The Word is already working in you. We hope you were blessed by this message. For more messages and information about the church, please visit us at www.rccglivingspring.org.